and we're back. This is Tales from the Page at PaisoCon 20, PaisoCon Online 2021, in which members of the No Direction staff interview Paizo staff about the books that we just talked about, the exciting news that we've been hearing about at this online convention. I'm Ryan Costello from the No Direction Network. I'm Jefferson J. Becker, also known as Pam. And we are talking with Starfinder lead designer Joe Pacini about the Galaxy Exploration Manual. Hey there. Joe, <laughs> you were just talking all about this book. This is the first time I've managed to crack open my PDF, and I will admit I am not a Starfinder player, not for any uh, fault with Starfinder. I just don't have time in my life for a second RPG. And yet I'm super excited about this book as a Pathfinder <laughs> player and as potentially just something to get me a little more drawn into what Starfinder is all about. So let's start there. What is, Jam? what is the Galaxy Exploration Manual and how might it be useful to everyone? That's a great question. So this book is, is meant to be for everyone. It's a, something we had in mind from the very beginning is, um, you know, there, has, there have been in the past books that are very GM focused, um, ones that you might even call guides for game masters. Um, and others that are very, very player focused, like something like Armory, right? That is just chock full of only player options. And they both have their benefits, but we like to we like to make sure with our limited releases that we can get something out there for everybody. Um, and so this, this book basically has three chapters and then a bunch of extra tables in the back. And that first chapter is your player option stuff, just jam packed with, uh, again, all 10 classes are getting uh, new options. Uh, you have equipment that's exploration themed. You have an exploration subsystem that you know GMs can use too, of course. Uh, and then and the character backgrounds that we got to roll up a couple of uh, or one of um, with a few different options. So there's that for players, very specifically focused on players. And then the second chapter can be really used by anyone. Um, honestly, GM of Starfinder, player of Starfinder, or just science fiction fan, <laughs> or sci-fi fantasy fan, or even fantasy fan potentially. Um, because you can you can intentionally low up a low tech world, maybe with high magic or medium magic, right? And see where you go from there. Um, that that second chapter is all about creating worlds, um, and of course, there's tools in there that relate to the Starfinder system for for populating those worlds, for making them interesting, uh, to to have characters and places to go and things to do, adventures to have. But uh, it can even just be a brainstorming tool. Like I'm actually really curious to see uh, folks use it for writing stories, just like straight up fiction about <laughs> random worlds that they come up with with this system. Um, and then the this third is... chapter. Oh yeah, go ahead. Sorry. So sorry, I didn't mean there. But this is exactly the sort of book that when I'm go, I'm like hunting for in like the indie press sections of conventions, and like geek out for hours on the ride home because it's just filled with so much inspirational material. Like as a GM, especially wanting to create, um, like say, especially when I get to do my sandboxy fun and exploration eats kind of fun, this is invaluable. And I'm used to like getting these like you know, hastily put together PDFs by that are very lovingly put together by fans or, or third party stuff or, or like dusty old stuff from the seventies and eighties. But like, <laughs> this is like the high gloss straight to 8k Blu-ray version of those books. And I'm kind of digging it. I really appreciate that. Yeah. You mentioned, and sorry for, for going on and on there. I can do that. So interrupt me anytime because this book is a, a special special project for me. I really enjoyed working on it. Um, but the third chapter is sandbox adventure specifically, and that is geared towards GMs more. Um, <laughs> although, yeah, that is geared towards GMs um, for running sandbox adventures. And we've talked about that in the panel a bit. 
uh, about how it provides advice and a sort of sample system to show you how that can work in practice and then some subgenre stuff. Yeah. And then of course you have the tables in the back, which that's the kind of stuff I geek out about um, and, mm -hmm. you know, pour over and roll things. And, and speaking like the inspiration was here, that's what it's all about. This book is all about inspiration. And um, I think the exciting part for me is when you combine multiple uh, vectors together, you get brand new stuff every time. So even though, you know, a book is finite and can only hold so many things. And yet when you take a random one of 20 random inhabitants and then another random threat from another 20 possibilities, and you combine that with another adventure hook that's out, well, I forget, out of one of 20 or more than that. Um, and that's just one subsection of part of a planet. Uh, you, you really get, you can really go forever. Um, that's why it's called, I think, Infinite Worlds, that chapter, because it's just, it might as well be. Um, so super excited about that. And if I wanted to roll space. once and get every single chart covered, what die would I need? I think just basically well, how many options are there on all these charts altogether? Oh gosh. <laughs> Don't ballpark uh, it. I need an exact number. I got I'm counting, I'm counting. The for this. one through 12 and then one through 20 and then a D percentage. And then there's, I don't think such a thing exists. <laughs> there's got to be, I mean, there's hundreds and hundreds and hundreds. There's a hundred different treasure options alone. Um, that's just one toolbox in the back. Um, there's, you know, we have settlement, a settlement toolbox that we didn't talk about in the panel just now that has a table of quirks, a percentile table of quirks for the settlement, a percentile, percentile table of challenges and then a percentile table of uh, locations in a settlement and those are even organized such that if you are if you want a location that can only be in a low-tech uh, place then you just re-roll if you get a certain amount or higher like if you're if you're trying to go for a low-tech settlement location you can just roll until you get 50 or below and then you'll be set so so when the pcs i mean it's just you know it's a microscope or a telescoping thing right where it's like we're in the galaxy where are we going to go exploration subsystem will help you narrow down like a system and then it'll help you narrow down a world. Then the infi in infinite world section will help you build that world, but then they go on the world. So then you use the biomes and those adventure hooks and use the settlements to build settlements and then use the NPCs to build NPCs in that settlement. And it just keeps keeps getting narrower and narrower until you, you're basically meeting the demands of, of, you know, infinity hungry players <laughs> that just want like new stuff all the time. <laughs> And, and that is the Starfinder player base. They are infinitely hungry. I mean, the, you're coming in here with with your Star Wars fans and your Star Trek fans and your Stargate fans and, and lots of things that start with star fans. And <laughs> it's all about the new, the weird, the the uh, uh, improvised, the, the absolutely brilliant. And it's always different each week when we turn in. And if you want to run that whole anthology-style campaign where it really is, a new planet with a new problem and, a, and probably even a new story genre every single time you sit down at the table, you're going to need something like this. I thought the Deck of Many Worlds by itself was brilliant enough to handle the load of this, but combined with this book, it's just like, I, I don't know how I'm going to play a Starfinder game without it. <laughs> yeah, it's super exciting. i uh really, really lucky to work with a team that can kind of get behind ideas like this and really make them much better than when I'm just like, what if we do a book like that? And they're like, yeah, but also, <laughs> uh, and then just um, a, an amazing bevy of authors. I just want to say real fast. 
It's also yet another thing that the Starfinder crew come out with real quick that makes me jealous from my Pathfinder fan half of myself because I am a Starfinder player. I am a Starfinder fan. I love Starfinder so much. And then it's like, this is really great. When does the Pathfinder version come out? <laughs> I know we love hearing from the Pathfinder folks too. Uh, the the Lost Galarian Club, as I call them, they uh, they will come to us and 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 talk about the deck of many worlds from time to time. And so I, I'm always hoping that there'll be some kind of <laughs> iteration along the, along those lines. You never know what's possible. We what are the other useful, <laughs> one of the other uses for the gem that uh, came up during your panel when you were talking about how, uh, if you want to do an episodic planet of the week uh, type um, campaign, is the idea that you can actually kind of skip the mission giving and just roll a couple of things on the chart. And it's evocative enough that it's just, these are the weird things about this planet you've arrived on. That's all you really need to know to figure out what your mission would be. Yeah, exactly. Um, each Again, each biome, right, has 20 different adventure hooks. Each uh, cultural attribute has multiple tables of adventure hooks. So any one of those is enough to to center a, at least a night's worth of play, if not you know an entire adventure campaign. Basically, as long as you find it interesting, you can run with it. Um, and then there's also, again, the inhabitants tables, which, you know, the difference between running into a golem and uh, an assembly ooze can be pretty significant uh, in an urban environment, for example. Um, and whether it's a human greeting you or a, a dramata, the camel-like uh, scaredy cats that herd with each other from Alien Archive 3, I think it was, um, you know, that's going to make a big difference in how that adventure plays out. So it's just, yeah. I still am staggered by the possibilities. Um, I, I'm very much looking forward to hearing how people use this book. I really like in the um, in the environment sections, the um, uh, the the, uh, the biomes part. There's this little breakout on each of the sections. It's useful equipment to have, and a lot of it is mm -hmm. like it starts. They usually start off with like really specific stuff that kind of makes sense, like a crash pad or a culinary synthesizer if you're in the underground. And I'm, I'm going to pick on the underground one here because almost always they end with something that is like absolutely basic. But too many times <laughs> I forget about these in games as a GM stuff like a sleeping bag you know that's great in almost everything else the one of them's like <laughs> some rope yeah that would be very <laughs> useful to have it's like not everything needs to be the super high-tech molecular synthesizer to solve the problem sometimes your pcs just don't have a towel yeah the towel nice nice ref uh yeah it's uh it's something that was fun to include in each of these biomes was sometimes lists of specific gear from a bunch of different books, right? Or, or you can find the information online for free, of course, at sfrd.info. But uh, it definitely helpful for players and GMs to be like, what kind of stuff might you just, you know, the stuff you pick up at the the corner store before you went out into a onto a world like this. And then some of them, like I was mentioning earlier in the in the panel, we have like the aquatic section just talks about instruments that might be you might find in an underwater environment, just weird stuff that you might not necessarily think about, but that are to me really evocative and, and help you uh, get in the mindset of being in that environment um, when in the game. Now we've talked about like sandboxy stuff, but one of the strengths of the Starfinder setting are these pre-published adventures. I'm running fly free or die right now with my home group. Mm. How do I use this book? That's a great question. There are, you know, always working with the GM is important. Um, we, we 
included a bunch of player options, right? So I listed a lot of them out earlier. I'm scrolling through right now, going to our player index. Um, so each biome has played new player options, right? Um, and we, we tried to keep an eye toward options that you can incorporate throughout your career, right? So not just, we don't have any themes in here, which you only get to pick once and at the start of your character, right? So they're not as useful if you're in the middle of a campaign. But a lot of this stuff, um, so for example, I was talking about, let me just go to a random biome. So the forest biome, if you end up in a forest in your campaign at all and fly for your die, uh, I can't remember right now if you do, <laughs> there might be a, a Banda there, which is a lemur-like creature that mimics the hunting cry of a winged apex predator to flush out prey. Um, and that, that could end up being your creature companion. You know, um, that's sub appropriate levels for that adventure. Or you might pick up a feat um, because you're not locked to, it's not that you have to have, you don't even need to have gone to a forest planet or a forest on a planet to meet one of these and pick up one of these creature companions, right? As long as you can work with your GM to figure out why you now have access to this animal, you're good to go. So we try to make all these options thematic. Um, the same goes for the class options. The, the beginning of the book has all 10 classes have new class options and they're exploration themed, but they certainly come in handy in combat and non-combat encounters because they're because that's what we wanted them to do. So that's what they do. <laughs> um, I don't know if that answers your question, but hopefully it goes part, part of the way there. And it's it's never too late to flesh out your character's background too. Like I've I've definitely played characters for a while uh, with with very skeletal backgrounds, um, but it can it can be fun to sort of flesh that out and say, you know, what was my home world like? Do I want to build a whole home world or just roll on that table and see a general idea? Do I want do I want to work with the GM to include an influential associate from my past that now comes back into the game? Um, could could one of the existing NPCs be that um, from from an adventure path that I'm already in? Could they be somebody I have an existing relationship with? Maybe I roll that the relationship table and see what my relationship is there. So. There's there's plenty of stuff to pick up if you are in not in a in a sandbox adventure if you're not in a open ended campaign too. A fun use of hand the flashback music and you roll three d six. Yes, three d six. Always three d six. A fun use I've always had for these tables with the quirks and personalities and the rumors and such like that isn't so much for rolling what's true, but when I need my red herrings or I need something mm -hmm. like to sound believable, even though it isn't, I do this because my <laughs> players can usually sniff out. Here's this incredibly detailed thing, and the other thing is maybe he likes chicken. <laughs> Yeah, that's a great point. I think that the treasures probably will speak to that then for you in particular, just because they all seem so meaningful. <laughs> like they all just have these stories implied in them that uh, like as a player, I would not be able to resist that there's this has to mean something like it's not just a cred stick. There must be something going on here. It's not just another azimuth laser pistol. It's a mm -hmm. it's a toy starship with five doses of hyperleaf stuffed into the cockpit. Well, how did it get here? Like, who's the dealer? Like, do we need to track them down? Or we? What's the? You know, it. It's like no. Sometimes it's just it's just a thousand credits worth of something. <laughs> but but that's the fun of that. I think is you can go either way. Or you let the players debate about what it means, pick the most interesting one, and run with it. Exactly, <laughs> and they think you you had it planned all along. <laughs> it's great. <laughs> <laughs> but what goes into writing these options that have to be succinct, evocative, a little bit crazy? How do you get a really good one out there? How do you know that it's like, yeah, that one's worthy of the chart? 
Uh, first, you pick awesome authors. So if you if you go to the author, if you go to the table of contents, you'll see listed just the amazing people that wrote for this book. Um, they really all just picked up on what we were putting down. You know, in the out, we wrote an outline right that said kind of this is basically what we're looking for. Uh, John Compton, who was the moderator of the panel just now, he wrote out the marsh biome as an example of what we wanted the biomes to look like, which included adventure hooks and stuff. Um, and so that that gave some guidance. But people really uh, took this and ran with it. And really, you know, like, personally, I think it's a challenging assignment to say, like, okay, you know, the desert, make that interesting. <laughs> like, come up with <laughs> come up with 20 adventures you could have that are desert-themed and, and also some equipment and also what's an alien desert like. And they knocked it out of the park. Like, I'm just beyond pleased with how. So I would ask them how they, <laughs> did, how they did it. Um, it's, uh, it's definitely trial and error. And, you know, definitely development went into it and we, we fine-tuned some stuff and uh, tried to make sure that things were unique enough, but also still tied to their environment or their cultural attribute or whatever. Um, but a lot of a lot of back and forth tweaking stuff. And gosh, from a layout perspective, tables are kind of the worst. Getting them to fit <laughs> properly and getting everything to to line up nicely and and like you're saying, being so succinct while also communicating a lot is a difficult challenge that I think every author rose to admirably and. Uh, it was kind of a delight to develop other other than the the particulars of the boring particulars of messing with tables in a in software <laughs> layout software but you so did, did a great job really to check out the author's list like you were mentioning and i came across yeah. something i hadn't seen before the exploration log which is just like a character sheet yeah. for the different uh, places you've gone to which makes so much sense since you're going to be improvising a lot of these planets based on some die rolls and like if a month later your players are like, let's go back to that planet. <laughs> yeah, it's good to have this. Exactly. That was a, a medium to late edition where it's like, you know what? It would be great to have a way to record the places you're going for exactly the reasons you say that you might go back, you might want to flesh it out. So it's a hex-based exploration system. So there is a, a little hex map on it. So you can kind of keep track of what you explored. But then there's also half of it is also just again, all those details about the biomes that are there and who lives there and uh, what, you know, is the accord high, is the tech low, that kind of stuff. So, and a name, we got to name it, of course. <laughs> we, don't, we don't give any advice on naming. <laughs> I also appreciate that it's a hex map that's in a hex and not trying to be a square. <laughs> <laughs> yes, that was, uh, that was on purpose too. <laughs> Why have those extra hexes? It just, it looks better to me to have a hex hex. <laughs> Yeah, there's lots of lots of stuff in this book. What else do you want to talk about? Like... <laughs> there's so much we could talk about. I just want to make sure that if yeah. there's anything that's going on in chat. So if you are watching us live, oh, you yeah. can absolutely participate in the conversation. But actually, Perrin, this is usually your job. Why am I doing it? Because <laughs> you... we're improvising. All right, I'll, I'll keep going. I'll keep going. <laughs> if you have questions for Joe about uh, the Galaxy Exploration Manual or designing Starfinder or how he's doing, where he got that cool hat, you just post them right there. We will <laughs> seed them into the conversation. We've got about 15 minutes left in what we're going for here. So, uh, yeah, if you've got questions, give them to us. If not, we'll find other things to talk about. Like, Joe, why are there only three chapters yeah. in this book? That's a great question. We uh, just had three thematic things to talk about. One is, here's a bunch of player options. Here's all the things you can do if you're just coming here for the stuff, for the gear. Um, of course, we still snuck it into chapter two as well. Um, which is why we have a player option index in the back so that if you just want to find new weapons that are in this book, you know what pages to look on. Um, you don't have to flip through everything, right? But uh, 
chapter two is all about building worlds and chapter three is for GMs only kind of. Um, uh, and so that's the division we, we chose. We also, uh, John mentioned it in the panel, but we have the introduction to the book. We've often found, you know, sometimes the introduction is just an expanded table of contents that's like, you know, those things you saw on the table of contents and that you can see in the bar on the side of the book, here's what they are. And that's nice. But for this one, we decided to do sort of uh, a narrative version of using the book. So uh, John wrote up a, a basically an example of him as game master running some me and some of the other members of the Starfinder team through uh, a sandbox adventure using the tools in the book and being like, you know, oh, I want to be this kind of character and I'm going to roll my background on these pages. And mm -hmm. so that's kind of a fun little section uh, where bad things happen to our characters that uh, that I enjoy. It's got a little bit of an experiment for this book to see what people think of it as an introduction. One of the most exciting parts about me for having this in play is I've been a huge fan of Hexploration and that's why I've really liked uh, um, Ultramont Wilderness uh, at the tail end of PF1 and how it expands on that. And it looks like you all are, are expanding on the exploration system. Can you walk us through what the exploration system is in action and why this would enhance the game and, and make what would normally be uh, purely narrative into something more interactive? Yeah, sure. So. Uh... It's it's multi-part, right? Because we Starfinder kind of assumes that you are a bunch of aliens in a starship. Um, and if you're in a galaxy, picking a destination can be a little bit challenging uh, when you don't know what's out there, when everything possible is out there also, right? Like it's a, a paralyzing choice a little bit. So we we narrowed it down into a system where first you there's a there's a the galaxy exploration piece, which is called galaxy exploration. And that's where you are using our downtime activity system that we introduced in character operations manual, which is spending a day or more um, engaged in an activity to get some benefit. And in this case, it's finding a galactic destination. So you can start from nowhere. You can just be in your starship, having just finished an adventure or a mission or, or whatever, having just assembled and say, okay, we're going to find somewhere to go. And there's a downtime activity for that. Then this is super important if you have a drift malfunction. <laughs> yes, that too. Very key. Um, then there's a system exploration where once you get to a system, you found a system to go to, but you don't know much about it. Maybe it's uncharted, or maybe you just had, you know, one of those treasure items that had coordinates on the back and you just show up there. You know nothing about it because no one does, maybe. Uh, then you do a system exploration piece, uh, which where you're looking for gravity wells, and that tells you where there might be worlds or black holes, you know, any kind of phenomena, and you find out what those are and you figure out what those are. Um, and there's some new Starship systems actually that can help you do that, that are very cheap. You know, you can just slap it onto your Starship and not lose out on any weapons or anything. Um, and then, then you have exploration from orbit. So now you've found a world in the system. Now you're orbiting the worlds um, and you can map. You, there's more downtime activities for analyzing it, seeing again, kind of what biomes are there, what creatures might be there, settlements, major settlements. Um, and, and map it a little bit before you actually land. And then finally, we get to the hexploration, which is you know exploration based on a hex grid, um, which looks like this, apparently. I just did this to represent a hex grid. I don't know. <laughs> That's like six sides, right? Uh, and that, that is where you are landing on the ground, or you, know, you might be in air, in an airborne world, um, or in a gas giant, uh, but we cover that. And then you're exploring sort of hex by hex, which are these abstracted 12 mile across sections of, of terrain. Um, and so 
again, we're using sort of activities. Um, you get a certain number of activities per day based on your speed, the speed of the group. Um, you might have vehicles, which we have tweaks for that if you're cruising around in a vehicle or a starship. Um, and you can do, again, more downtime activities there. Uh, we give some advice on random encounters and and tell you, you know, how hard it is to move through certain types of terrain. And that's basically it. Uh, that, that along with the biome sections, right, can tell you what kind of things you'll encounter in that biome or uh, what what might be there. So that's the, that's the basics of it. And then you see something like, um, don't say Kingmaker in space. Don't say Kingmaker in space. Don't say Kingmaker in space. What? Why can't I think uh, Horizons of the Vest, right? Is that what we're talking about? Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, uh, I mean, do you see that taken? I mean, and I run think the it? second anybody mentioned Kingmaker in space, even as a reference for this, everybody cheered because <laughs> they were begging for yeah. that adventure path since Starfinder <laughs> was announced. Right. <laughs> so that. So that which kind biome? Of, yeah. Mm -hmm. Sorry, which biome am I most likely to run into an undead kaiju? That sounds weird to me. That sounds like the weird biome. That's where we <laughs> stuck all the strange stuff. Because <laughs> I don't think you're going to find that in an urban environment too often. Uh, but again, these are just like these inhabitants tables that we have are just kind of maybe the most common things you might find there. But you're free to you're free to go to a forest biome and then roll on the desert biome and be like, what is this thing doing here? doesn't matter. You you do what you want. That's one of my favorite things about role-playing games in general and books like this is that you are free to do whatever you want. You can roll, you can re-roll on a table, right? You can change a noun or a verb. I know it's it's amazing, but we we are we are here to inspire you to help you come up with ideas and then have your own adventures. Like that's what's exciting. Right. And, and that's a great way to make a planet seem more alien. This is a forest desert. Mm -hmm. This is an underground aqua. This is an mm -hmm. urban, I don't know, weird. It's a weird urban. <laughs> weird urban. I'm traveling urban. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, what was I going to say about that? Oh, yeah, for the biomes, when you're rolling up biomes, when you're creating a world, you can just, it's a D12 because we have 12 different uh, biomes. You could just roll that d12 as many times as you want and let's say you roll it three times and you keep getting a one well that's telling you that it's all airborne but maybe you roll six times and you get like three threes and a two and a one well that tells you there's a lot of arctic terrain but there's a little bit of aquatic and a little bit of airborne right um so you can you can kind of take it as you want or you can just go for the the desert world or the marsh world and just have it be that very star warsy kind of you know mono planet if you want a city in the like air. That. Nobody would go for that in a sci-fi setting. <laughs> it's too unbelievable. I know. <laughs> I, I'm a positive there's at least one adventure hook that revolves around that in, in the airborne section. Sorry, I'm reading a question from TRDG11 in chat. It's a follow-up. So he's he is also hey. running Fly Three or Die, and he's running. Uh, he's close awesome. to the end of the campaign. And he was looking for further advice about how to incorporate uh, Gem into his campaign, specifically because the group feels that the campaign's been a little railroady. Well, this there is, is more this here. Is, this is that enough? Uh, jump it off point. Oh, I can jump off from there. Yeah, okay. this would this would certainly be the book to to be the antidote to railroady. Um, you know, you're always free to when adventure paths are meant to be. Uh, well, they're meant to be a lot of things, but they're obviously great for telling a story that has a beginning, middle, and end, and that has consequences for player actions mm -hmm. and kind of 
is a guided story, right? That's that's the purpose they serve. This this Galaxy Restoration Manual is definitely for the sort of opposite of that, where you are there are no rails and you are free to do anything. Um, so I would say, you know, especially if you you can continue any campaign, any of our APs by taking the PCs at the level they are at and just shooting them off into the galaxy. Um, you could take, I mean, honestly, there's so many, I'd say any one of these adventure hooks, which again, there are 20 times 12 plus, I don't know, four times 20 plus, <laughs> there's a lot of adventure hooks is what I'm trying to say, or any of the legendary starships or any of the the treasure items, they can all be campaigns in and of themselves. So you can you can just look through and find ones that you like, and that might be related to the story that you just told or are currently telling, and and just weave those in, right? Um, and I think the sandbox adventure chapter really has some good advice for doing that. And that's obviously geared toward an adventure that has been entirely sandbox, but I think there's a lot you can take from that and and use it to meld into a game that has been more on the rails or that has been more by the book. Um, yeah, so and this, I love plot for your die, but definitely the the railroady part feel of it is kind of intentional because it's a whole lot of danged if you do, danged if you don't situations, and definitely yeah. skipping town in the starship and just going exploring where nobody will find you. <laughs> this book could come in handy. Yeah, yeah, I like that. <laughs> if you need to lay low of, for a while, a couple of comments from chat. In 341, Deck of Many Worlds is one of the best accessories for an RPG ever. Ooh. Evil Robot Games saying charting worlds for star charts is classic sci fi, and Lone Jedi 70 is saying where we're going, there are no rails. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> well, yeah, I will say if you like Deck of Many Worlds, which is one of my favorite products I've worked on for Paizo, uh, this, this book is similarly is in that same alley. It's it's just the deck of many worlds in book form uh, with a bunch of other stuff, obviously. But uh, yeah, I'm excited. I'm excited to use them together too. Yeah, so like the options that are presented in the deck of many worlds, none of that is recreated and reprinted in the Galaxy uh, Exploration Manual, right? Uh, so let's see. Okay. So the deck of many worlds take gives you attributes, right? Uh, like Technology, what's the level of technology? What's the level of, of magic on a world? But it doesn't give you any more than that. It just says high technology. And then the instruction cards have a tiny, tiny snippet of like what that might mean. But then this book goes, takes that and then expands on it. So um, it's not reduplicated necessarily, but it's, it's not uh, right. synchronous, synchronous, whatever. And then the adventure hooks that are on the Deck of Many Worlds, there's a bunch of those. None of those are reduplicated here. So, um, when you make a world with the deck of many worlds and it has its two adventure hooks or more if you want, or just one, uh, you can ignore those. You can incorporate them with adventure hooks that you get from the biomes or attributes, or you can do you can do anything. It's it's kind of, it could be overwhelming. I could see it being overwhelming um, if you couldn't just ignore what was overwhelming you, which you can totally do. <laughs> so. Were you looking for synergistic work? Synergistic, thank you. Word? There we go. Yeah, I don't work with words every day or anything. It's not it's not my <laughs> forte. <laughs> I intend to use these two these the the deck and this book very closely together because the the deck basically can replace a lot of the initial rolls that you would do with mm -hmm. dice using these tables. And then so you just go straight to the section you need after you've pulled the your cards out to generate your your world with the deck and then you need to further detail it. That's where this book steps in. 100%. And I tried to 
try to make sure that the world generation process if, without the deck was as quick and painless as possible. So there's only, like I said, five steps. And that last step is just finishing touches of like, do you want to add some cute stuff? But you're basically rolling a D, a D percentage to see what kind of world it is. Then you're rolling a D percentage to see the gravity and atmosphere, which you can do in one roll if you want. And then, then you roll for biomes, like we said, you could roll it once or a few times. And then you are rolling for the attributes and that's just a D6 roll on each attribute. And then you're basically done, uh, which again, you can do with the deck of many worlds with a few cards, but that is an entire, an entire world you've made in that short time. So speaking of short time, we've got less than 10 minutes left yeah. in this panel. So I'll just remind people that coming up next is tales of lore tournament of champions. And if people want more Starfinder content, later tonight we've got a Starfinder one-shot, Band on the Run, featuring the Dragons and Things Network. That is at 6 p.m. Pacific, 9 p.m. Eastern. Joe, you mentioned earlier that you didn't talk about the settlement toolbox in the panel you had just done. Do you want to go to page 150 and Ooh. roll up a random settlement? Do you ask me if I want to roll with my 3d6? Yes, <laughs> yes. D100. D right? I'm going to use my 3d6 on this D D100 chart. Um, <laughs> so the things we have in here are quirks, challenges, and locations. So the locations is really for when you're already in a settlement and your PCs are like, what's, what's on this street, you know, or where, yeah, we went to the tavern, but what's next door. Um, so let's, let's, let's check out the quirks and the quirk and challenge of this particular settlement and see where we go from there. So I'll roll my 3d6, I'll get uh, 15 and that gives us, um, a specific color is banned from appearing in the settlement. So that's a quirk for, for whatever reason, one color doesn't appear. And that may be something that, you know, PCs notice on their own or mm -hmm. that gradually comes out, or maybe one of them is wearing that color and, and that causes problems. So that's an interesting quirk. And then for challenges, which are more adventure hooky, um, but again, sort of limited in space here. So uh, I got a three, I rolled three on 3d6. So this is, these are definitely my dice. Um, that is <laughs> the settlement. The settlement and its people are heavily taxed or in deep debt. So these yeah, are sounds like greed in, that's been times. banned from this city. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Why not? Right. I love it already. Um, yeah. So maybe there's a certain maybe there's a dye that's really valuable and no one can afford that color. Or if you, if you wear it, it shows that you're not paying a tax. I don't know. There's there's a million possibilities. And then locations. Uh, I don't need to roll those, but there's there's. I don't know, 50 to uh, to 75 locations uh, that, again, I was saying you can you can um, you can roll such that if you're in a high tech, if you're in a high tech settlement, they're all available to you. Like, you know, 88 through 89 is this is uh, or I should say 90 is an artificial personality studio and uh, 90, 93 is a memory mm -hmm. clinic where you can alter or remove your memories. Right. You're not going to find that on a low tech world, but you might on a high tech world. So there's lots of cool I mean, stuff. they've got, they got clubs. <laughs> they do have clubs. That's true. Fair enough. How about the, uh, the Holovid arcade? I mean, that's hard to reproduce on a low tech. I guess if you get hit hard enough with the club, maybe you would just envision Skatermanders and sock puppets. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> All right. Fair enough. I'm convinced. <laughs> yeah. That's the settlement settlement section. We're about ready to wrap things up, so we'll just remind people that if you are interested in the Galaxy Exploration Manual, wait, is this available right now or is it just hitting subscribers? I was next, about to plug that there's Wednesday. a discount code. Next Wednesday. Next Wednesday. 
Well, what yeah. I'm about to say does not apply to anyone that's interested in the Galaxy Exploration Manual. But <laughs> if you would like to save 20% or more on Pathfinder and Starfinder products, you can use Paizo, uh, PaizoCon2021 at checkout from the Paizo.com store. Sweet. I heard a plug for Deck of Many Worlds there. I'm, I'm into it. Oh, there <laughs> we go. Yes. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> while you're waiting for the Galaxy Exploration Manual to become available, but you don't have your Deck of Many Worlds, you can get 20% <laughs> off using the offer code PaizoCon2021 at the Paizo.com store. I've already bought a fair number oh, of copies. This was fun. Of that. I like I said, I am not a Starfinder player, but I am jealous of this book as a Pathfinder <laughs> player. So uh, we will see if I can find ways to use this at the table. Already, like, the band color and the people being heavily taxed, I could have done that at a Pathfinder game, no problem. Wouldn't even have to adapt yeah. anything. Hollowfit exactly. Arcade might be a little different, but there's illusions. <laughs> so yeah, I'm already looking forward to seeing if I can bring this to a Pathfinder table. And I am jealous of the Starfinder players who already have this perfectly lined up for their game. All right, we're about ready to wrap things up. Joe, is there anything you'd like to shout out to or where can people find you on the internet if they want to say, hey, good job on that book? I am a Joe adult man on uh, media, media outlets. Um, otherwise, Which I love, by the way. <laughs> Great. I'm definitely a grown up, definitely 100% a grown up <laughs> and not pretending. Um, and then I think there is, there's, I wanted to plug the Ask the Starfinder Experts panel that's on Sunday, I believe, at a certain time that I wish I had written down for just such an occasion, but it doesn't look like I did. But check your PaizoCon schedule and look for that. Um, we'll be, I'll be hanging out with some cool Starfinders and answering questions that folks have. So that is where I'll see you next. And do our, be... do our PaizoCon puzzle hunt. Uh, the Ask the Experts for Starfinder is at 3 p.m. Pacific time on Sunday. Thank you so, so that much. That be 6 p.m. Easter. Great. And any other times that you got to figure out if you're on your own. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Thanks uh, so really much. Quickly, I want to plug these some of the Thanks. Starfinder content in No Direction Network. If you go to nodirectionpodcast.com, you can find such great shows as No Direction Beyond, which is a Starfinder news, reviews, and interviews podcast, Intrepid Heroes, an actual play of the Dawn of Flames adventure path, and Digital Divination, which is our twice monthly topical Starfinder podcast, which, uh, how did you describe it, Param? It's. Uh, it's you had a really good verb for it. What do legend lore and digital divination do? Sorry, I'm putting you on the spot. Oh, they dissect, dissect it. There we yes. go. They dissect the Starfinder rules and setting. Right. John Gildick and uh, Prazo's own Ronlin Dean on it. Coming up, Tales of Lore, Tournament of Champions, next. Yes.